And uh, thank you for being here. But I, everybody who's watching online, I, I just want you to know that I, you know what I, I know what it's like to not be here. I, I missed last week. I had to watch the, the service online. I'm so glad that we have that opportunity that we can. So we keep up and we, and we can kind of follow things. But one thing's missing. It's the people. If you have any chance of coming in person, I, I welcome you. Uh, we as a church would love so much to have you here. And uh, it'll bless you, I promise, right? Isn't that true? It's great to be here. All right, well, uh, welcome. We are continuing in our series called Romans. If you weren't here last week, you must watch it online. Uh, it's kind of a whole inter- introduction to this. This is a letter written to the Roman church that no apostle had been to. They probably The church probably started uh, from... Jerusalem during the day of Pentecost when Peter did his great message and people were there heard it brought it back all over all over actually but the church in Rome probably started there no apostle had been there no real church leader had been there but they had started the church so Paul writes this letter to them and uh, I, I, I just am so excited that we're, we're going through this it's it's fantastic um, I have a question I'm gonna start with a question today last week Shaheen said that Every one of us come from a different place. And that's really true, isn't it? That all of us come from a different place spiritually. Some of, some of us uh, probably have barely been to church in our life, if, if at all. And that's more and more people just have not been to church. And some of us kind of grew up in the church. And some of us have been like Christians for a long time. Some of us have never, ever read the Bible, ever. And some of us, we read it as a regular basis, and, and we do. And so we, we're all, all different uh, things. Some of us have, in our background, we went to Sunday school and CDC classes and you know all kinds of religious confirmation and all that stuff. Some of us never heard of any of that. So we are so different in so many ways. But we all, in our incredible difference, we all have one thing in common. There is one thing every one of us have in common, and that is this. We all have belief. We do. Every one of us have a belief. As a matter of fact, whether you grew up in church or not, you have a belief about God, about Jesus, about eternity, about heaven and hell. This is really revealed around funerals. And you you know that. You've been there too. Around funerals. That's when people's belief will usually come out. Comments like, well, you know, I just believe that when they're dead, they're gone, and they're just gone, and nothing happens. Oh, okay. Other people will believe, and this is really common in America, that, well, they're in a better place. Thank God they're in a better place. And a lot of people believe that. Well, why are they in a better place? There's many different answers for that one. But here's my question for all of us today. You believe something about God, Jesus, and eternity. But why do you believe what you believe? Why? Where did it come from? Now think about for yourself, where did your belief come from? Was it from Uncle Joe who told you something when you were eight about God? Was it from TV and stories? Was it, was it from attending church and hearing sermons? Was it from Sunday school? Was it from just your family of origin, your upbringing, just kind of how people talked about it? Where, where did your belief come from? Because if we're honest with ourselves, some of our beliefs just came from we made it up. We, we want it to be that way. Therefore, we took a little of this and a little of that, and we just kind of come up with, well, this is what I want to believe, and so we do. 
There's others of us that we believe because something's been hammered down our throat over and over again, and so we've just come to believe it. But even if we can decide where our belief came from, here's the next question is this. Is what we believe true? How do you know what you believe is true? Whoever taught you this belief, were they qualified to teach you? And this is the great thing about us as a whole church going through this letter written by Paul to the Romans. Because in Romans 1.1, just starts out with this, and this is, is so clarifying, it's, it's great. It says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, a bond slave, a servant of Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. That the apostle Paul actually met Jesus and Jesus himself spoke to him and told him what he wanted to do, actually revealed to him this stuff. Paul even later on tells us that he had an experience, he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, that's very confusing, but he says where well, he actually saw a glimpse of eternity and heaven and the reality of all of this stuff, and if you think that's really out there, which it can be like, really, did he? But he also... He met with all of the other apostles that Jesus had. And besides just the other 12, there was a hundred or so really followers of Jesus through his whole ministry. And here's the interesting, that when they met, they agreed that this, this, this revelation, this thing that Jesus told Paul and that Paul had received, that they agreed with it. You know, and they said they gave him the right hand of fellowship, that it, we are on this together. This is, this is absolutely true. So, so this, this getting this message from Paul that you and I can start out going with this, that Paul is teaching Christian doctrine or Christian truth. This is Christian truth written in Romans. That's why he wrote it. He wrote it to the church that, that no real leader had been to. And he's writing all about this is Christianity. This is Christian doctrine. This is Christian truth so that we will all know what it is. And here's the challenge as we go through the next few weeks and even last week, uh, this idea of what do I do if my belief doesn't line up with Paul's belief? Whose should move? Just a thought. Just a thought that maybe we should. So I'm so glad that we're going through this. So last week was absolutely the foundation. Uh, Shaheen went through chapters 1 through 4. And this last week was absolutely fabulous. Uh, we sh we've got to understand the foundational. We've we got to understand last week. And in all of, all of chapter 1 through 4, basically it comes down to this, and there's no ifs, ands, or ways about it. This is Christian truth, that we're saved through faith in Jesus. Get that? That's what it's about. This is Christianity. We are saved through faith, through believing in Jesus. Period. Nothing else. This is the statement. This is Christian truth that you and I need, need to believe. And the, uh, Paul finished, and I'm, I'm kind of robbing a little bit from last week, but the very last line of chapter 4, he says this. He, Jesus, was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. This is, Jesus died on a cross, an innocent man, died for the guilty. He didn't deserve to die. He gave, he voluntarily gave his life 
Why did he do that? Because we owed a debt that he paid, and he did it for this reason, to make us right with God. Jesus' sacrifice makes anyone who believes faith in what Jesus did makes us right with God. That cool? I don't know. I kind of like it. It's exciting. So Jesus makes us right with God. What does that mean? Jesus makes us right with God. He goes on in the very next verse. It starts chapter 5. Here's what he says. Because Jesus makes us right with God. He said, therefore, since we have been made right with God or justified through faith, we have peace with God. Because Jesus made us right with God, we have peace with God. Through, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. Love that. Access. I thought we were going to put a capital A there. Access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of of the glory of God. Because we are made right with God. Just get that in your head. We are made right with God because of what Jesus did. Therefore, we have peace with God. If you put your faith in what Jesus did for your sins... You have peace with God. What does that mean? That means that there's no barrier. That means that God's not keeping score. That means that he's not looking down at you and just like, well, I'm a little disgusted. You know, well, clean it up and we'll talk. There's peace with God. You ever have peace in a relationship? I don't owe you anything. You don't owe me anything. You know, we just, we have this freedom to just talk back and forth. And not only do we have peace with God, but we have access to God. Why do we have access to God? Because Jesus made us right with God. Because Jesus' sacrifice takes care of our sin. Sin separates us from God. Romans uh, 1 and 2, very clear. Sin separates us from God. Jesus removes the sin. Now we have peace with God. And we can be with God. We have access to God anytime. That means when you're driving in your car, you can just talk to God. You can talk to God. You don't have to go through a ceremony. You don't have to go to a certain place. You don't have a house. Okay? You don't have to do a ritual. You don't have to say a bunch of words. You just you have total access to God. Well, you're driving in your car. You're driving your bike. I don't have a bike like this. Okay, mine's more like this. Okay. You, got, you just have access to God. And we have peace with God. There's nothing. And, and you know what? This concept right, right here, we should just live here. This is it. As a matter of fact, since Shaheen kind of took over the church, this has been an emphasis, have you noticed? That he wants us to to get more used to being in the presence of God, enjoying the presence of God. This is what it's about. This is Christian truth. Let's live in it. This is Christian truth. This is Christianity. Thank God this is Christianity. But there's a problem with this. We can't just live here because... Because far too often we think, yeah, but tell me the rest of the story. Well, what's the other side of the coin? Okay, where's the balance? Okay, my dad used to have a joke. You know how you know, uh, <laughs> this is terrible. You know how you know a, a preacher is on the level? The bubble's in the middle. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I said that. But <laughs> anyway, uh, Some have a bigger bubble than others, I guess. 
But here's the problem. Even, even for some of us who, who have read our Bible and are Christians, and this is going to be a little challenging, but I really want all of us, myself included, all of us to be challenged. But I think there's another side, or I think there's, there's the other side of the coin. There's, there's more. Than, you know, there's two. I, I've heard it many times, and even my dad always said, you know, every message is a half-truth. There's always another side. Not with this one. But we keep thinking there is. We keep thinking there's something else. And we need to, listen, if we're struggling with just living here, staying here with, you know what? We have peace with God. We have access to him all the time because of what Jesus did. We don't have to confuse it or go through that because if we do, if we think, yeah, but, well, you know, yeah, I know that's true pretty much. Well, I mean, that's totally true, but, listen, if we got a but to this, we need to, we need to unlearn that. There's this concept in the Bible it's called repenting. Basically, it just means to turn from a false belief, a false trust, and turn to Christian truth. So if you find yourself thinking, yeah, that's mostly true, I want to challenge you. This is, this is Christian truth by the Apostle Paul. It's not mostly true, it's completely true. Because some of us think and, and we're still here. We need to turn from it. We think, well, yeah, I know Jesus saves me. You know, when I, when I was far from God and I didn't understand what he did for me and I put my faith in Jesus, he saves me. But now, but now, if you find yourself saying that, you know where that but belongs? Right on the toilet seat, okay? That, that no buts. But we're there. But now I have to live up to it. Well, now I have to stay righteous or now I have to be in right right with God and I, I know why we think that because behavior is so important in, in Christianity for other things we are talking about being right with God though having peace with God is not but anything now that I'm a Christian I have to and I know we've all heard this and I know that many of us we're still struggling matter of fact you're listening to this you might be struggling right now but in Romans 5, the apostle is he's talking to people who have a lot of butts. It's the Jewish people who had a lot of butts. And they kept saying, yeah, we'll put our faith in Jesus, but we better follow the law, but we better... So Paul, we, we have the advantage of, of reading this letter that he wrote about this very same thing. <clears throat> he, says, he says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus sacrificed himself when we were enemies of God. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Basically, this doesn't even need an explanation. It's just he's making it crystal clear. If Jesus died for us when we had our hand in God's face, and we all did. And many times we still do. We have our hands in God's face. And no, I don't, I don't believe Jesus is the only way to God. I, don't, I haven't put my faith in that. We've, re we've all rejected God. But listen, even in our rejecting God, Jesus still died for us. That's how much his sacrifice covers us, how much he wants us. And then he just hammers it home by saying this. For since our friendship with God was restored, since we were made right with God, this closest to God, this open, this, this 
peace between God was restored by the death of his son. While we were still his enemies, will we certainly be saved through the life of his son? Another translation says this, if Jesus died for us when we were God's enemies, how much more will his sacrifice cover us now that we are made right with him? And somehow we got this confusion that, well, once Jesus makes me right with God, now it's up to me. And he's saying, if Jesus made us right when we were here, how much more is he going to keep us right when we're here? He just, he just will. This, this is a, a, a concept that no matter what you've ever learned or heard or whatever, we have got to adjust to Christian truth. That he makes us right with him. Matter of fact, there's a little... This is going to shock you, but uh, I, I would like us to just ponder this for a minute. If behavior means anything, anything at all, in being right with God, then Jesus means nothing. If behavior means anything at all, and I mean anything at all, then Jesus means nothing. Matter of fact, it was the Apostle Paul himself who said, that if your behavior could help you in this area, Jesus died for nothing. If our behavior would make it possible for us to be right with God, Jesus wasted his time. That whole come to earth, be a man, die thing. It's a waste of time. It means nothing. He also said this, that if you and I are going to put a little bit of trust in our behavior then Jesus is of no advantage to us. It is this clear, this is Christian truth that we need to adopt and understand. That if our behavior, I mean, if it means anything at all, then Jesus means nothing when it comes to this. It's either all Jesus or all works. We cannot combine the two. We can't combine the two. As soon as we combine the two, it is no longer Christian truth. Christian truth is because of Jesus and what he did to make us right with God. I need to reemphasize that there are behaviors that are very important in life. There are behaviors that are very important in the, in the church and in doing mission and, and accomplishing what God wants to. There are many behaviors that God wants us to do on this earth, but none of them are linked to us being right with God. And here's the problem we run into. It really is. When, when you and I think that Jesus makes me right with God when I first believe, but now it's up to me, do you know how much that hurts us? Because far too often, we have kept ourselves away from the presence, even though there was peace between us and God, but we don't know it. We have total access to God, but we don't believe it. Who does it hurt? It hurts us. And the next verse I'm going to read is not taken out of context. This is exactly what Paul's talking about. This is Romans chapter 5, which you're going to read hopefully this week five times, that this is exactly what it means. For, for those of us who are still stuck over here with this, Jesus saved me, but I have to stay clean. He says this, Christian truth. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. 
I, I didn't say this. Thank you, Lord. I didn't say this. The Apostle Paul said this because it is Christian truth. The law was given to prove none of us can be good enough. Just to prove it. I know some of us once in a while think, I'm pretty good. Oh, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. No, we're not. And if you need a reminder, just look at the Ten Commandments, and there's more than that if you want. But no, in our heart and who we are, we fail the Ten Commandments on a daily basis. The law was given, okay, so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more and more abundant. Another translation says this, the more we sin, the more that God's grace is applied to our life. I know we want to balk against that. I know we want to say, yeah, but. Everyone, we want to say, yeah, but, yeah, but. Listen, I do too. The problem with it is, that is not Christian truth. And I know we want to, we want to like, well, don't give people the impression they can do whatever they want. Well, let's not actually tell people that because, you know, they're going to think they can. Listen, there's no excuse for not knowing the truth we got to start with truth and go from there. This is Christian truth. The more we sin, the more of God's grace is applied. I know you don't like it. It's the way it is. It's the truth. Now, are there a lot of things that we should obey and do? Absolutely. Do any of them have anything to do with us having peace with God? Not according to the Apostle Paul. Not according to Christian truth. That we have peace with God because of Him. We have access to God because of Him. This is hard to swallow, but this is Christian truth. And I'm not going to ask you to repeat it out loud, but I, I, I do want to ask you to just kind of ponder it, to get it in. So, as I read it, just say it to yourself, not out loud, and think about it. If behavior means anything, as far as righteousness goes, as far as being right with God, then Jesus means nothing. That's the truth. That truth should set us free. Because for most of us, we don't take advantage of what Jesus has done for us by experiencing God and being in his presence and talking to him and receiving him because we are under the belief that I need to earn it. And I know you believe in Jesus, and I, I know that many of us have put our faith in Jesus, but yet we still hang on to this. We have got to turn from this and get to the truth, and that is that Jesus sets us free to know and experience God. So here's what it means in practical everyday life. When you are sinning, whether you know it or are aware of it or not aware of it, I think for most of us, that hinders us going to God. Do you know who that hurts? It hurts us. We're living through life. We could have God's presence and fullness, but we're staying away. I, I, I think when, when, we're, when we're, let's say you're deliberately sinning, deliberately. You fell back into addiction. So you're getting drunk every day or you're getting high and you feel ashamed. You feel unworthy. You feel, I can't go to God until I fix this. 
Who do you think's happy about that? I believe we have an enemy and he's the only one happy about that. Who is it hurting? It's hurting us. We're out, out here by ourselves. Who's disappointed? If he gets disappointed, I'm not sure. God? God's the one that's disappointed. Saying, Won't you? I remember when my kids were uh, in, you know, teenagers, and uh, we always told them, hey, you know what? I know what it's like to be 17 years old, and you're going to be tempted all your buddy to drinking and, you know, doing drugs, and you're going to be off and drugs. And, and listen, the message was very clear. Don't do that. You're not old enough. Uh, it, it's harmful. Do not drink. You're not old enough. It's bad. Don't do it. But if you do, now some people, and maybe you raise your kids with thinking, I better not tell them that because that sounds like it's giving them permission. It's not giving them permission. Don't do this means don't do this. But if you do, don't hide it from us. If you do, call me. I would rather have you drunk with your friends with me driving you home than you driving you home. When our kids were, you know, if it's drugs you're doing, if whatever, you know, you know what a parent wants? I would rather you do that with me helping you and with me being an influencer than, than this. When you stop doing what I don't like, then you can come and talk to me. How ridiculous is that? It's even more so with God. God says, hey, listen, you're struggling in life. You're always going to struggle. I'm here for that. Jesus gives you freedom to come to me. There's peace between you and me, even if you're doing drugs, even if you're struggling with alcohol, even if you're not struggling, you're doing it just because you enjoy it. You don't need to struggle, you just do it. That, hey, the relationship with God is not depending on how we clean up our lives. How ridiculous, I mean, think about it. It's so ridiculous to think, well, as soon as I clean up my life, I'll talk to God. You know, there's another concept here that we just, that we miss so often. And that is this, that, that we, if you've been a Christian a long time, you probably struggle with this more than people who haven't. But that idea that, well, I don't feel worthy to be in God's presence. Are you worthy to be in God's presence no matter how you behave? Are you worthy to be in? Because if you are, hey, if behavior means anything, you're worthy, then Jesus means nothing. Not a little bit, not shared. We've got to understand. I, I remember one time I was, uh, <clears throat> had a, a relationship with a, there was this lady who was a youth pastor at another church. And she was a youth pastor for a long time and a, a good one and all that stuff. Well, she left that church. She started to come to church here. She came to church and she was around a lot and it was great. And, and then I, I didn't see her for a while. Matter of fact, I didn't see her for about six, seven, eight weeks. So I called her. I said, hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? And she said, uh, yeah, it, it's fine. But And then she told me, she said, I'm having an affair. And I said, well, why aren't you in church? She said this, I don't feel worthy. I'm having an affair. I don't feel worthy to go to church. And I asked her, did you feel worthy when you were a youth pastor? Listen, this falls into every one of us. She said, yeah, I did. And my statement was this, you were no more worthy 
to go to church as a youth pastor than you are as an adulterer. There is no worthiness that you and I... If we think for a minute... Man, I almost want to get harsh here, but I'm not going to. If we think that our behavior can make us worthy, then we miss the glory of God. God is so holy and so perfect. On your best day, you are not worthy to be in the presence of God. Jesus gives us peace with God. Jesus gives us access to God. There is this peace and this freedom that we have because of Jesus. We can't move on into Christianity if we don't understand this concept. This is Christian truth. And as a matter of fact, as we go on in Romans and other things, we need to always remember this because this doesn't change. It never changes. That if our behavior means anything at all in a right relationship with God, in the freedom to talk to Him, have His presence in us, then Jesus Christ means nothing at all. Do you believe this? Jesus did it all. Jesus made us right with God on His performance, on what He did in His sacrifice. Christianity is about this. Jesus saved us so we could be right with God. Jesus saved us so we could have a relationship with God. Jesus saved us so we could be one with our Father. Today, tomorrow, and throughout all eternity, we are right with God because of what Jesus did and not our own performance. What have you allowed in your life to keep you from just being with God? What has it been? Has it been a secret sin? Has it, has it, has it been a, a, an adulterous relationship? Has it been drugs or alcohol? Has it, has it been uh, just doing something secret, not telling anybody? Has it been pornography? Has it been a sinful behavior that you're totally aware of? Have you allowed that to keep you from what Jesus provided? Isn't that a slap in Jesus' face? I mean, really. Isn't that you and I saying, Jesus, you did pretty good, but not good enough. Jesus, you gave it all. That wasn't quite enough. Christian doctrine, Christian truth, Christianity is this. We are made right with God because of what Jesus did. If our behavior means anything, then Jesus means nothing at all. Our hope and our prayer and the reason we're going through Romans like this is so that each one of us can alter what we believe. If it's off, alter it to truth. Why do I believe what I believe? because it was taught by the Apostle Paul or the Apostles or Jesus himself. And that's why I believe what I believe. Let's pray. Father, this is rejoicing and awesome and I just feel heavy a little bit because I, I know we've all been affected by the Jesus and something. I know, we've all, 
I've even heard the thing many times in my life, people saying, well, you can't preach too much grace. You know, like, like you can overdo grace. Father, can you imagine saying to you, hey, God, you know, that grace thing, I think you overdid it, you know. I'm talking too much. This Christian life is about grace. Knowing you is about what you've done for us. I pray, Father, that we can all accept it, acknowledge it, and live in it. That we are made right with you because of him. We have peace with you. Peace with you because of Jesus. We have access to you because of Jesus. Thank you for that. In his name, amen.